You're listening to a resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. It is our joy to glorify God by treasuring Jesus in the preaching of His Word. We pray this resource will be a tool used to aid in your relationship with Christ in addition to your local church. Blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Um, to those of you who I haven't had the privilege of meeting yet, my name is Dakota, and uh, like Taylor said earlier, don't know if y'all were listening or not, but I uh, did youth ministry here for about a year, and um, Sam and per- Sam and Chad asked me to preach about two weeks ago, and. Uh, just want to say that this is a huge privilege, and I'm thankful for all of y'all here, and thankful that I even get to go through this word with you. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Dear Father, um, like that song we heard o- earlier when we sang Behold Our King, Lord, I pray that we not be people who just have heads full of knowledge or hearts full of emotion, but people who are really and truly just in love with you, Lord, and see the value of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you open our ears, open our eyes. Lord, help us to hear what you have to say. Um, may, my, may my word be tested by your word. God, we love you, and we ask all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. So, Um, The title of today's sermon is The Authority of the Son of God. Okay, so with that, I just want to do like a quick little primer on authority. Okay, what is authority? I know we hear the word a lot, and I'm sure each of us have a notion or maybe an idea of somebody we know when we hear the word authority. So what is it? So authority is the right to exercise power, to endow others, so to give a gift, and to command obedience, okay? So where does authority come from? Well, we know that the only intrinsic authority in the entire universe comes from God. So any other authority under that is bestowed to people, whether it be kings, presidents, bosses, you name it. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So as the creator and sustainer of everything that we see, God is in control. He is the authority. What he says goes. So when he said, let there be light, there was what? There was light immediately. Um, So this ultimate authority is shared with the Son of God. Okay, so Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says to his disciples, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So the same authority that God the Father has, Christ has as well. To bring this down to our level, I just want to talk about how, as people, we exist in different levels of authority, all throughout every day, every day. So we could, we could think about parental, professional, civil, as a parent, in the house and outside the home, you have authority over your, over your children, right? So unless you're a business owner, 
you wake up in the morning and go to your job where you're under authority of your boss or your higher up. And to do that, you have to hop on the highway where at that point you're under the authority of civil law. Okay, so just in a bunch of different ways that uh, really permeate everything that we do, we are existing in, around, under, above authority. So God even tells us in Genesis 1.28, have dominion over the entire earth and every other living thing, you know, birds, animals. And a uh, funny example of that is my fiance Heather actually had pet raccoons as a child, so go ask her about that if you see her. So she took, she took that seriously, have dominion over the animals. So, uh, <laughs> so authority, especially and only as we see it with God, is used in love. Now on our playing field, authority can be used in love. And that does reflect God, but unfortunately, as a result of sin, it can be abused as well. And our personal view on authority is affected by our experience with this. So we can take the instance of a father who neglects or abuses his kids. Okay, that is a a wrong use of authority. Uh, versus the father who loves and cultivates his children. You know, that being a picture of how God loves us, but concerning God's authority, when we are brought in front of that, we are confronted with the authority of God, there are one of two responses that can happen. So the first one is humble obedience, okay? Like, yes, it's my joy to come under your authority. I know that it's the best thing for me. I know that you know more than I do, uh, Father, or whatever it may be. And the, the second reaction would be defiant rebellion, okay? So concerning our relationship with God, by Jesus, we have been able to not have to be rebels anymore. But unfortunately, we have been affected by sin and we all have the natural urge to rebel against him. So Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So a rebellion against that authority. So with that being said, I just want to say the main drive of our passage today is this. As we walk through Luke 4, um, you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke 4. We see that the authority of the Son of God is displayed in two ways for one purpose. Okay, so Jesus Christ's authority in teaching and in command are displayed for the purpose of spreading his fame. So I'm going to go ahead and catch you up on the last couple of weeks if you haven't been here or if you have been, just for a little reminder. So, so far in the book of Luke, Luke is running home the idea, the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, and in chapter 4 in the beginning, it's right after Christ is baptized and uh, the Father says, this is my Son whom I love with you, I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit comes and rests on top of Jesus. So the Spirit leads Christ into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay, and the devil promptly confronts Jesus when he's weak, when he's been starving, when he's been in the heat. Um, Mark, the, one of our other Gospels, 
um, says it like this. It says, Jesus was thrown to the wild beasts. And this is at a time when uh, Christians were actually being thrown to the wild beasts. So it resonated with them um, in, a, in a deep way. So Christ was out there. He was struggling. And Satan confronts him to question if he is the Son of God. If you were here um, two weeks ago, you would remember the different instances where Satan says, well, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself off of this building. Turn this rock into bread. Um, do this, that, and the other as some sort of attempted power play. The devil offers Christ this supposed authority. Um, so verses five through seven, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Christ thwarts what Satan is trying to do with what? The word of God. He responds with, you'll worship no other God besides the Father. So Jesus shows, shows us that he's defeated Satan and effectively overcome the forces of sin and evil. He returns from the wilderness to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Um, and Mike gave me a Greek lesson last week. Um, he said that the, the word power in this this verse means, uh, or is dunamis, which just means like miraculous power, like things that you have not seen before. So, so people are beginning to whisper, and rumors are going around. So there's a, there's a faint whisper that something is going on with this man, Jesus Christ. He continues in that power. He goes to the synagogue in Nazareth in his hometown, and he is handed the scroll of Isaiah, and he, he reads this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, I think it is beautiful that if you go back to Isaiah 61, um, when that passage is being written, uh, Christ stops in the middle of that very last sentence and stops at the point where it says, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what I'm here for, to save when the latter half of that sentence was talking about the wrath of God to come. But Christ said, this is why I'm here right now. I'm here to save you. So by the truth of God's word, let's take these two instances that we just looked at, okay? Christ in the wilderness, Christ in the synagogue. By the truth of God's word, sin is defeated and man's plight is exposed man's problem. The problem is he shows them that they are poor, oppressed, blind captives because of sin, but that's not the end of the story. He's come to set them free. So with all of that laid out, let's go ahead and read Luke 4, 31 through 37. I'll read that real quick. 
And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching. For his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of them, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So, the first point that I have for y'all today is that we see Jesus Christ's authority in teaching. Okay, so he's been in the synagogue for a little while now. Verse 23 says, the people are astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. Well, the first question we ask is, why are they astonished? Why is anyone astonished? Isaiah 53 tells us that he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. This was a regular guy. Jesus was a carpenter. Among a crowd, Christ would not stand out head over shoulder. He was the one that everyone grew up side by side with. They watched him work with his father and and make things out of wood and, and just be a normal guy, but still they're astonished. So unlike every other teacher, he didn't claim the authority of other rabbis. Okay, so rabbis had their own, or not all rabbis, but particularly in the context of this like Pharisee, um, Pharisaical, um, situation, they would insert their own burdensome opinions on the law. Okay, so Christ, all he did was speak. He spoke, and it made sense. So Jesus was expounding on the Old Testament. We can speculate that just from what he did in the synagogue every other time, um, and how every ounce of the Old Testament points to him. Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, people were understanding this word, understanding the scriptures that they had grown up with, rightly. So Christ, his mind and his heart were overflowing with the Old Testament. Um, we can speculate that he was shedding light on countless things from their scriptures, um, possibly something like um, in the garden. God sacrificing animals to make skins for the covering of Adam and Eve in their shame after they sinned against the Lord, showing that Christ is the covering of our shame. Or maybe it was the ram with his head caught in a thicket being given as a substitute for the sacrifice of Abraham's son Isaac when Christ would eventually wear the same crown of thorns that the ram did. Christ being the substitute for our sin, being the one that takes the wrath of God in our place. Or maybe it was something like a young David slaying the biggest evil in the land, Goliath. This being a shadow of Christ defeating sin with a, with a gallant, unshaken confidence. 
We can't be sure of what he was preaching on, but these are the kind of things that were being revealed to these people. This is this what you grew up with? This is what it means. It's being fulfilled right now. So their understanding was growing. We see Christ doing the same thing after his resurrection. So when his followers saw him on the road of Emmaus after he rose again from the dead, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. They were dumbfounded. And in Luke 24, 32, Christ's followers say about him, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? So this authority that Jesus exercises here is the same authority that spoke the universe into existence. Just like he rebuked Satan in the wilderness and he told the Jews in Nazareth of salvation from sin, he used the authority of the word of God to shed light on their understanding of God. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit burned within their hearts. So to the people in the synagogue at Capernaum, their new understanding of the word of God is what caused their astonishment. Jesus not only spoke this divine truth to them, but as the son of God, he was the source of all absolute truth. This is the authority that Christ speaks with. So this brings us to my second point. It's, it's timely that in the middle of Christ's truth being proclaimed and the people's spiritual understanding of his word growing, in verse 33, a demon gets loud. In verse 35, Christ immediately addresses it. We see explicitly that when Jesus starts to speak, and the people are seeing the beauty of the word of God, this demon disrupts everything by becoming the center of attention and speaking out loudly, trying to distract the crowd. So let's take a step to the side for a second and see how this is a parallel to Satan's schemes in our own lives. So. As believers, we can have these awesome, God-glorifying experiences, whether it's reading the word and it just being illuminated to you in a new way and you're just on this, this, this train of loving God and you, you worship him in all that you do and you're seeing fruit in your life and your, your understanding of the Lord is increasing and just, just being enraptured by the beauty of the gospel and then, out of nowhere, almost unexpectedly, Satan attacks. Whether it be subtly or loudly, Satan tries to distract us throughout our days. This looks different for different people. It may be an explicit picture that comes across your cell phone or the TV or a billboard. It may be a disappointing email from work. Maybe the one that you haven't been looking forward to for a while. It might be relational strife, whether it be with your spouse or your children, or maybe your friend, or maybe someone who's in authority over you. 
Or maybe it's just that jerk that cuts you off in traffic. Let's pay attention to what's happening here. So Christians, be aware of our daily struggle. Before we realize it, our eyes are focused on everything but Jesus and sin, whether it be yours or the sin of someone else conferred upon you, may be the loudest thing in our life at the moment, just like this demon-possessed man in the synagogue as Christ's word is being told and people's understandings are changing. When this happens, let's go back to Luke 4. We have to go back. Let's, let's confront this the same way that Christ did with his word. So when these things happen, we have to confront them head on, instantly, immediately, in the same manner with the word of God. So Jesus Christ, he knew the character and the intent of this, this spirit who had possessed this man, and he commands him to come out of the man because although this, this thing did say, Jesus Christ, you are the son of God, the intent of that spirit was not to glorify God. So in verse 35, he commands him to come out, take hold of this. It was at Jesus' word that the demon was vanquished. At the word of God, the forces of sin and evil were rebuked and silenced. So we must confront the sin and evil in our lives or in the world by the word of God. So the authority that Christ exercises over this demon is the same authority that when God said, let there be light, there was. When he said, let the world be formed and it be beautiful and things just pop up and glorify him in every way, it happened. When he said, I want to make man in our image, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he did. This is God exercising his authority. This is the same authority that Christ uses here. The breath in our lungs, it's because God wants it there. You aren't coincidentally lucky enough to be alive right now. It's because God wants you to be. The fact that you're right here listening to his word should be a reminder of that. And this leads me to the third point, the final point, that Christ's authority causes the spread of his fame. So verse 36 says, and they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out and reports about him went into every place into the surrounding region. So um, the word reports in the previous chapter when Christ came back from the wilderness and he was full of the spirit and he was on the way to the synagogue. The word reports was, uh, means rumors in English. 
and uh, almost like a faint whisper, people were beginning to talk. Like, who's this Jesus guy? You know, he's been doing some pretty awesome stuff. Like, imagine if in Mandeville, some dude just walked up and started healing people and doing all these miraculous signs. There would be word going around, like, think about that. What would you do? You would tell people about it. So, whereas that word before, the word reports was rumors, the word reports here in Greek is echos, which means, guess what? Echos. <laughs> so, what were once rumors are now a loud commotion reflecting off of everything around them. What was once a whisper is now the unceasing talk of the town that's literally spreading to all of the surrounding regions. The name of Christ is spreading like a wildfire, and this is intentional. It's very intentional, it's on purpose, because Christ has an unstoppable mission that is being ferociously advanced, so that when he lays his life down for us on the cross, when he defeats sin, up on that tree, it will be the final display of what he has always had authority over. To the Christian, I think it right to stir you up by way of reminder. Joyfully submitting to the authority of God is what gives us our ultimate satisfaction. This is the only truth that we abide by every day. We know that God is in control. That if I wanted to and I said, let there be light, unless Tanner's in the back flipping the switch, it's not gonna happen. We don't create truth. We don't find a truth that fits us. The truth is, is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and all authority in heaven and earth have been given to him. So this is our joy, knowing that it's the best thing for us. A father knows best for his children, doesn't give him a rock when he asks for bread. The authority of God is not a tyrannical dictatorship, it's our freedom. Has anyone ever heard the term discipline is freedom? The Lord gives us that discipline under his authority because we are his children and he loves us and he knows the best for us. Galatians 5.1 says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take hold of that Christian. Be aware of the daily struggle and that Satan can put things in your life that are disruptive. He can do things that alter your emotions. He might even make you see scary things on the wall at night when you're trying to go to sleep. One thing that he can't do is trump the authority of Jesus Christ. He's on a short leash, a very short leash so when you see sin, when you see darkness in your life, go to the word of God.
Submit to his authority and know that it trumps every other. To the one who is skeptical or doesn't know what to think and to the unbeliever, know that it's no coincidence that you're here right now. Okay, we've all rebelled against God's authority as we heard earlier in Romans 3.23. We've fallen short and this makes us God's enemies. But that's not the end of the story. He wants you to hear this, that Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So to everyone, take take into account what you know about authority. Trust in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who is the only one who has the authority to defeat the sin in your life and grant you a relationship with the true God. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ and we praise you for who you are. Lord, we praise you that your authority is the same thing as your love for us. God, we praise you that we get to come under that authority. We pray that this word, your word that we heard today would open our eyes and our ears, God, and that we would behold you as our king. Lord, we pray that you change us, that you sanctify us, and that you build up your church by this. We love you and ask all this in Jesus Christ's name by his precious blood. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.